Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word. Uh, we thank you for the truth that is taught uh, here over and over again. We pray that we might get it clear in our minds so that we can be ready. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of months ago, I had to pay my car insurance premium, comprehensive car insurance, on, uh, my, uh, on my car. It was a big bill. It cost me more than $900 for car insurance. Uh, in the prior month, I'd paid health insurance. Six months was nearly $2,000. I also paid home and contents insurance, green slip insurance, landlord insurance. You put it all together, it adds up to a lot of money. And as I sent off on the computer my more than $900 for car insurance premium, I thought to myself, I haven't had an accident on the road in 28 years. Who knows if an accident is ever going to happen? Why am I paying nearly $1,000 on nothing, on what might happen, on something like that? It seems like a complete waste of money. But then I thought, well, you never know when an accident could happen. Better to be prepared. A few weeks later, I was driving in Crow's Nest with my children. I lost concentration as I was helping them with Italian homework, made a mistake, went through a red light, and an elderly couple crashed their car into us. We were all fine, they were fine, but their new Mercedes-Benz was a write-off. And our car sustained thousands of dollars worth of damage. It's been with the repairer for five weeks. Still not finished. Every time I ring, he gets grumpy with me. Apparently, I'm not allowed to know when or if it'll ever be finished, this car. Um, I don't know what it costs to replace a new Mercedes, although apparently um, they're friends of Lynn Breezes, who I ran into, and they're enjoying their new Mercedes very much. Um, I don't know what it costs to replace a Mercedes, no doubt tens of thousands of dollars. I'm not sure what the final figure will be to fix our car. Probably just the rent for the years that they're keeping it will be more than a few thousand dollars. But, but I do know this. I'm glad I paid that insurance premium. Uh, I didn't know when the accident would come. For a while, I wasn't sure it was worth preparing. But I'm glad now that I was prepared. As Warren showed us last week, this section in Matthew's Gospel, it comes as an answer to some questions. And the questions are there back in chapter 24 and verse 3. Jesus has just said to his temples, to his temples. Jesus has just said to his disciples, this temple in Jerusalem is going to be ripped down. Not even one stone will be left on top of another. The temple will come down. And in response, the disciples ask him, it's there in chapter 24 and verse 3, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, I think in the disciples' minds, this is all one question. They think that the temple will be destroyed when Jesus is enthroned as king and vindicated and brings this age to an end. The disciples think it's all going to happen at the same time. But as Warren showed us last week, that's not how Jesus answers. So Jesus starts off by dealing with the first part of the question, the timing of the destruction of the temple. That is the first part of the question there. When will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed? And he gives the answer, doesn't he? He says the temple will be destroyed within one generation, within the lifetime of the disciples. And of course, uh, what Jesus said came true, didn't it? 
In 70 AD, less than 40 years after Jesus was speaking, the temple was in fact destroyed, just as he predicted. But the thing is, the second part of the disciples' question has a different answer. They want to know the sign of Jesus' coming and of the end of the age. As we'll see, Jesus is not quite so keen to put a date on that. Now, I think before we dive in, we, should, we need to get clear what is in the disciples' minds as they are asking this question. The concept of the coming of the Son of Man is a reference to Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament. Can I encourage you, not now, but if you haven't seen it or haven't looked it up in Bible study, you really need to look up Daniel chapter 7. It's a very important passage for understanding this whole concept of the coming of the Son of Man. And the very important thing is, it's not talking about Jesus coming to earth. The coming of the Son of Man is the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds to God. So when we think of coming, we think there must be coming to me. A different perspective. Perspective is God's perspective, and the Son of Man is coming to God and receiving all authority in heaven and on earth and judging the world and bringing everything to an end. The coming of the Son of Man is when Jesus' kingship is established. Now, in fact, this happens in a series of stages. Uh, we know from the rest of the New Testament that the final stage of the coming of the Son of Man will in fact involve Jesus returning to earth. But that's not what the disciples are referring to here. They are asking, when will you come to God and be made the king and judge of the world and bring it to an end? Now we're going to see more about this next week. And, um, but, but, but do you see the distinction here? When we think of the coming of the Son of Man, we often think of him coming to us. But that's not what it meant in Daniel. And it's not what it means in the minds of the disciples. They think of it as Jesus coming to God to be made king. Now, as I said before, the disciples assume that this will happen at the same time that the temple is destroyed. The destruction of the temple is the vindication and exaltation of the Son of Man. And there's a sense in which that's right. But Jesus says it doesn't quite work like that. And so now he goes on to answer the second part of the question. And for all the complexity about the coming of the Son of Man, his answer is very, very simple. He talks now about what is the sign of the coming of the Son of Man and the end of the age, and the point he makes is perfectly clear. There is no sign. There is no sign. God has not revealed when Jesus will bring this world to an end. In fact, when Jesus was on earth, only God the Father knew when that day would come. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Have a look with me. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Interesting statement about Jesus' humanity, isn't it? That he doesn't know everything as a man. I'm sure he knows now when he's coming. Okay, well, Jesus now uses an Old Testament image to get this picture of, uh, of not knowing the day or the hour. He uses the, the image of, uh, of Noah's time. So back in Noah's time, before the flood, people were just getting on with life as usual, marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking. There was no warning, no sign. When the flood came, it came as a total surprise. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. Notice that image, taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. You see what he's saying? Jesus' return will be a surprise. You don't know when it'll happen. There will be no sign. People will just be getting on with life as usual, like in Noah's day. And so Jesus gives the application. He says, you just got to be ready. Be on your guard all the time. Verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. It it is a little bit like my car insurance, isn't it? I had no idea when the accident would come. I just needed to be prepared. We have no idea when Jesus will come. So we need to be prepared all the time. Jesus goes on to give another illustration to make exactly the same point. He says his return will be like a thief coming at night. No announcement, no sign. It'll be a surprise. Verse 43. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. I'm sure I've told you this story before, but one night uh, many years ago, back when uh, my wife Carmelina and I were living in Newtown, it was a very, very hot night. And so there were two bedrooms up on the second story of the townhouse where we were living. And uh, so we decided to leave the second bedroom window open just to let some air in on this stifling night, let in some air. During the night while we were asleep, a thief climbed up the front of our unit. Uh, A thief climbed in through the window, clambered over our turtle in its tank. Some of you may remember our turtle. Um, He, or I guess maybe she, then proceeded to make his way through our place, stealing anything he could get his hands on. Uh, One stage he came into our bedroom while we were asleep in the bed, came right up next to Carmelina, stole from her bedside table her wedding ring, her engagement ring, her eternity ring, and then he made his escape. One thing I noticed, the thief didn't call ahead to to announce that he was coming. He didn't give us any sign. He didn't leave a calling card. I'll be there at 3 a.m. next Friday. Make sure you leave the light on, something like that. No, no, no. The thing about thieves, they rely on the element of surprise. They don't want you to know when they are coming. If I had known the thief was coming, I'd have shut the window, stifling heat or not, and I would have been awake with a large stick in my hand, something like that. (laughs) But the fact was, I didn't know the thief was coming, and so I wasn't prepared. You cannot know when Jesus will bring this age to an end. He will come like a thief in the night, and so again, Jesus gives the application You've got to be ready all the time. Verse 44. So, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus now goes on to use um, three parables and then a, then a, a, a picture of final judgment. Uh, the first parable is a shortish parable. This time it's, 
this parable is, is meant to show what it means to be ready, what it's going to look like to be ready. So Jesus talks about a servant. His master goes away on a journey, and as he leaves, he gives him a job to do. Make sure you keep the place neat and tidy and look after it. Make sure it's all okay. And Jesus says, if the servant does what is required, well and good. He is ready for the master to come back. doesn't matter when the master comes, he's prepared. But if the servant refuses to do what the master wants, if he will not serve the master, well, it's going to mean trouble. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I remember one time I was uh, minding a house for, um, it was for a teacher of mine actually, the, the, the owners were overseas for a few weeks. Uh, before they came back, Carmelina came over, this is before we were married, Carmelina came over and she helped me to clean the place up. It looked immaculate, ready for them to return. The only problem was this, I had to leave a couple of days before the owners came back and so I asked a mate of mine to mind the place for the last couple of days. Big mistake. I don't know what he did, but it must have been a very good party or something like that because the place was trashed by the time the owner came back. The owner was very angry about it, very angry with me, blamed me, fair enough. Had some very harsh words for me and never asked me to mind his place again. When the master goes away, the servant needs to keep on serving, look after the place. They can't trash the joint, you know, cat in the hat style or you can't bring in thing one and thing two you you can't do like ferris bueller's day off or something like that you can't just do whatever you want you've got to keep serving the master as long as the servant is doing his job serving the master he's ready but if he figures hey the cat's away the mouse can play big risk he doesn't know when the master will be back he's not prepared jesus says it'll be like that at the end of the age We don't know when it'll be. And so while we wait, we can't just do what we want. No, no, while we wait, we need to be faithfully serving our master. Chapter 25, Jesus launches now into another parable. Another parable on this same theme of when he's going to come to God and bring this age to an end. Um, We're just going to look at this first parable. There's then another parable and a a judgment scene that follows. It's all part of the same story, but we'll just finish at the end of this parable today, deal with the rest next week. This first parable, um, it makes the same point again that Jesus has already made over and over and over. In case we haven't got it yet, you don't know when he's coming back. You have to be ready. The parable is about a wedding. The bridegroom is coming Ten virgin girls are supposed to meet the bridegroom. They're supposed to have their lamps with them in some ancient Near Eastern ceremony uh, to to light his way to the wedding banquet. Now, five of the virgins bring spare oil prepared for if he doesn't come straight away. 
but five of them don't. They're not prepared. Chapter 25 and verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom takes longer than expected. The virgins all fall asleep. Their lamps all burn out. And then when he finally does come, only the virgins with the extra oil are prepared. I'm not sure if that's where we get the saying, extra virgin oil. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm allowed to say dad jokes. Um, uh, only the virgins with the extra oil are prepared. The other virgins are not prepared. And so, and so they miss out on the banquet. It's not a parable about sharing, so the other virgins won't share with them. It's a parable about being ready. Which of course, won't work if they share. Um, verse 5. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the crier rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. It calls to mind, for those of us who've been doing Matthew's Gospel, that little section that really scary section in chapter seven do you remember when people say to jesus lord lord didn't we do all this stuff and he says depart from me i never knew you i mean as funny as that picture was of all the girls knocking on the door that's it's not a happy scene is it unprepared and so jesus gives the explanation and the application it's the same as he said over and over again you don't know when he's coming you just have to be ready. Verse 13. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, so as far as we're going today, do you get the point Jesus is making? It is actually pretty simple, isn't it? He's answering that second part of the disciples' question back in chapter 24 and verse 3. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And his answer is no sign. There will be no sign. You cannot know when Jesus will finally come into his glory and bring this world to an end. Could be any time. And so you've got to be prepared. Make sure that you are serving the master in his absence. Make sure you are known by the bridegroom, ready to welcome him. All right, well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Again, I think it's pretty simple. You can see from the outline, I've just got the three points that Jesus is bringing the age to an end. We don't know when, so we have to be ready. Let's deal with each of those one at a time, thinking about it for ourselves. First point, point number one, Jesus is going to bring this age to an end. This world will not keep on going the way it is indefinitely. The day will come when Jesus comes to God, is finally established as king. He will return to earth. 
Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Everyone will appear before Jesus in judgment and he will bring this age to an end. I don't know how things are going for you at the moment. Maybe they're going great. Maybe life couldn't be better. Friend, Jesus is bringing this age to an end. Don't get too attached to it all. Don't get too caught up in it all. Don't live like this is all there is. Because it's not. Maybe for you, you're, you're really struggling. Things are tough. You feel like there's no end in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel. Well, friend, recognize the good news that is here. Jesus will bring this age to an end. For those who are relying on his death and resurrection, that is great news because it means all sin will be judged. It means all wrongs will be righted. It means evil will end. It means our suffering will end. It means justice will be done. It means the end of death and mourning and crying and pain. It means we get to be with our Lord. It's good news. should bring perspective to our enjoyment. should bring perspective to our suffering. And should help us to, to keep on going for the light at the end of the tunnel. That's point number one. Jesus will bring this age to an end. Point number two is this. We don't know when Jesus will do it. In fact, God doesn't want us to know. I remember many years ago when answering machines were first invented. Yes, I'm that old. Um, And uh, I was helping an older lady to uh, set an answering machine message. She was going away on a holiday. She was expecting a call, so she didn't want this person to miss, miss out. But she didn't want to announce on her answering machine that she was going away. And you can imagine the call. Hello, I'm a little old lady, and I'm away from my home for three weeks. Please leave a message. I mean, it's like an open invitation for thieves, isn't it? You may as well say, and there's a key under the front doormat. Make it as easy as possible for them. <laughs> we ended up saying something like this. I'm not attending to the phone right now. Please leave a message. We deliberately said nothing about when she was coming back because we didn't want anyone to know. God deliberately has not told us when he is bringing Jesus, when when he is bringing this age to an end. Why? Because he doesn't want us to know. And, And can you see from this passage why he doesn't want us to know? he wants us to be prepared all the time. He doesn't want us to party on like the cat in the hat and then clean everything up right at the end with that big machine. No, no. He doesn't want us to live however we want and then just repent as soon as the signs... No, no, no. He wants us ready all the time and so he doesn't want us to know. Friends, that's quite significant because it means there is no point speculating about when Jesus will return. There is no point speculating about when this age will end. There is no point trying to read the signs of the times or anything like that. Friends, don't bother to read any book or listen to any sermon that claims to predict when Jesus is coming. Don't bother to read any book or listen to any sermon that talks about how the signs of the times show that Jesus is coming back. You know, even before you start to read or listen, it's wrong. The one thing we know about Jesus coming back and bringing this age to an end is that we don't know the time. So, final point, what should we do? Answer. Well, you already know the answer, don't you? Be ready. 
What's that going to mean? Well, we're going to talk more about this next week and the next couple of parables I think will help us to think about what it means to be ready, but certainly it means we've got to turn from sin and rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, doesn't it? I mean, we are not ready if we are not friends with the King. We are not ready if our sin is not forgiven. We are not ready if we haven't been cleansed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have no place in God's kingdom, no place at God's banquet unless we are relying on Jesus. That is fundamental. And friend, if you are here today and you are not relying on Jesus, I need to tell you this. You are not ready. You are not prepared. Jesus will be declared king of the universe. You will face him in judgment and you are not ready. Friend, you have to say sorry to God for your sin. You have to ask him through the death and resurrection of Jesus to forgive you. You've got to commit yourself to live with Jesus as king and saviour. Now, bow the knee now to him. Friends, we've got to be relying on Jesus and we've got to be like that servant in Jesus' parable, serving Jesus as master, walking in the good works that he's prepared for us to do in advance. We've got to be like those wise virgins in the parable, known by our Lord, ready to welcome him. We've got to be prepared. Now, that may be costly and we don't know when he's coming. Uh, with that insurance policy I was talking about at the beginning. It didn't seem worth it as I paid the premium. I didn't know when the accident would happen. I'll tell you what, though, I'm glad I was prepared. I'm glad that $900 was gone. Friends, it might not feel like it's worth trusting Jesus. It might not feel like it's worth serving Jesus. It can be costly to be a fair income Christian, and Jesus may seem to be far away, and we don't know when he's coming back, and it may not seem to make any difference now whether you're serving him and living for him or not, but friends, Jesus is coming. We don't know when, but he is coming. And when that day comes, there will be nothing else that matters. When that day comes, you will want nothing else but to be ready. So friends, are you ready? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that this world is not all there is, that this is not the end, uh, that uh, sin and death and injustice will not be forever. We thank and praise you that the Lord Jesus Christ will finally be fully exalted as king and will judge this entire world and every knee will bow before him. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring on that day and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would enable each one of us to be ready and we pray for those that we know and love that they would turn from sin and trust in Christ so that they too are ready for his return. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.